Well, hey, good morning again. Um, happy November 1st. Welcome to winter in South Carolina. It's cold and wet, right? This is the way it goes here. Um, so we're coming straight off of a series called How the Nations Rage about faith and politics, which was a little heavy, right? And so uh, I, I decided I want to kind of chill a little bit this morning and make it a little bit lighthearted. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't mention earlier, uh, but we're, we're going to be celebrating the Lord's Supper uh, as part of the service today because we do that on the first Sunday of, of every month. And so we're going to do that as part of the service. Uh, I will say this, I'll make a promise uh, since I already went through one service and I can actually say this truthfully. This will be a little bit shorter service today. I'm not going to preach long. I know I've said that before and people are like, Whatever, um, but I mean it this time, okay? Um, but we're gonna do uh, we're gonna do a little exercise this morning. But before we do that, uh, I want I want to take just a moment uh, as a church family to spend a couple moments in prayer. Um, one of one of our friendship family, uh, a young man by the name of, of James Loner, uh, who's been a part of our church for a little while now, um, died young and unexpectedly uh, over the last week. Uh, James was only 37 years old. He leaves behind a young son, um, some siblings, and some extended family. Uh, I don't have all the details behind his death, but again, he was young and it was unexpected. And I know there's a lot of grief uh, anytime that you lose a friend or family member, uh, at, at, especially at this kind of age. Um, James, you know, when we uh, started doing new to friendship lunches last fall, uh, I think in our second class, I remember James was a part of that. And my last, the last time I saw James, was maybe four or five weeks ago uh, in our service. He would sit right up front, and uh, right before he left, uh, I remember him stopping and kneeling and praying right over here uh, before he left our service. And uh, I just want to take a moment, uh, as, because he was one of our own, y'all, um, and I want to pray for his family uh, in this grieving process. Here's one thing that I know. I know that James... Um, by observing his life, he had a relationship with Jesus. And so the reality is, uh, if he's put his faith in Christ, if any of us have put our faith in Christ, we have a relationship with God. And what that means for James is he is currently, presently, in the presence of Jesus. Amen. And so I, I, we rejoice in that, but at the same time, we want to pray for his family. So I want to invite you to uh, bow your heads with me. Take a, a posture of prayer. Would you, for just a moment, uh, I'm going to give you a moment to pray, if you're on praying terms, to pray and lift up James's family um, and friends, and then I'm going to pray as well. So why don't you take a moment and pray. Father, I want to thank you for the life of, of James and, Lord, his, his desire to know you and to follow you. And through all of his struggles, he was uh, in pursuit of, of you. And because he placed his faith in you, Lord, I know that you um, freed him from his sin. And now he is in your presence, free from uh, the shackles of his earthly tabernacle. And he's getting to rejoice and dance and worship in your your presence this morning as we do it here on earth. And so, Lord, I, I rejoice in that truth that as a son of God, he could, um, he's, he's with you now. But, Lord, we, I want to pray for friends and family. Lord, he was part of our friendship family. And, Lord, I want to pray for all those who knew him and loved him. 
Um, God, that you would comfort them, that you would give them strength. Lord, I pray for his son and his family. Lord, I pray that his, his pursuit of you would um, be the legacy of his life, that even in his death, uh, that many would have their hearts and their minds and their attention turned towards you. And Lord, I know that's what he would want from his life. And so God, I pray for, um, for the family again, that you would comfort the, the grieving. We, we mourn with those who mourn. And so Lord, um, we lift up the family this morning and pray that you would do uh, what only you can do in comforting them. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you all for joining me in, in that. Um, this morning, we, we're going we're gonna to jump into a little bit of an exercise. Um, you know, typically what happens on a Sunday morning is I, I do a lot of work. It may not look like it because I'm just talking, but I'm, I'm working to preach the gospel and point your attention to Christ. Uh, one of the things that's always a temptation for anybody, a preacher or anybody who who speaks to people is to try to please or impress people, right? And so one of my prayers every time I get up is, is that I don't, wanna, uh, I don't want you to be impressed with me. I want you to be impressed with Jesus. And so I want to try to point you to Christ. And one of the ways that I do that in my life um, is I utilize what I call the four questions. Now, some of you, if you've been around for a little bit of time or at all over the last year, you've probably heard me talk about the four questions. Um, we're gonna do a little exercise this morning. I'm gonna ask that you would do some more work. Hopefully every week as I'm working up here, you're working with me to hear and receive the word of God and apply it to your life. I'm gonna ask you to do a little bit more. It's, this is almost gonna be kind of a classroom feel this morning, right? I'm gonna ask for some input. I'm gonna ask you guys to engage with the scriptures uh, this morning. In fact, if you've got a Bible, a physical Bible or a digital Bible, I'm gonna ask you to turn to Psalm 93. Uh, we're gonna look through a, a five verses here this morning. Um, and and I'm, gonna, I'm gonna talk about these four questions. Some of you have never heard of what these are. Um, but let me, let, me, let me actually bring you up to speed with these four questions. For some of you, remind you. So I'm gonna say them out loud. If you know them, I want you to say them with me, all right? I'm gonna, I'm gonna see how many of you all know them from the start. Number one, who is God? What has he done? Who am I? What do I do? So nobody knows the questions. All right, perfect. So everybody, everybody's gonna learn today, all right? So let me, let me walk through what each of those four questions means, what we're looking for, and then we'll walk through the scriptures. So question number one is, who is God? So what we're doing when we're looking at the scriptures, okay, this is a way to, to read the Bible. Um, this is also really, for me, it's a way that, it's, it's kind of a filter through which I try to see all of life. I try to ask these questions. So number one, who is God? When we ask that question, we're saying, what does this tell me about the, the character and the nature of God? And really, to me, this is the most important question, is we're trying to, we're trying to learn what God is like. All right, so when we go to the Bible, for a lot of us, the first thing we try to, 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 to ask ourselves or try to learn is, what does this mean for me? What does this mean to me? What am I supposed to do with this? But the most important question that any of us could ask in anything is, what is God like? What does this tell me about who God is and what he is like? And so that's what we're, we're, we're asking when we say, who is God? What does this tell me about his character and his nature? Question number two is this, what has he done? Who is God? What has he done? So what we're saying here, what we're asking, trying to figure out is, what does the text say about the work of God? So we're learning about what God is like, flowing out of that, what has he done? All right, so, so here's the thing. Whenever there's, there's all kinds of different genres of, 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 
of text when you look at the scriptures. Okay, there's narrative, there's instruction, um, there's all kinds of different, there's poetry, uh, historical narrative. There's all kinds of genres when you look through the scriptures. And so some of them you might go, okay, what, is, what in the world can I learn out of this? Okay, the biggest thing is if we can see more about what God is like, who he's like and what he has done, this will help us. And so who is God? What has he done? What does this tell me about the work that God has done? And sometimes, listen, sometimes these things are really hard to separate. Sometimes you, it won't tell you specifically what God is like, but when you see what God has done, it helps you to understand what God is like. So who is God? What has he done? Question three, who am I? Who am I? This is an identity question. In light of who God is, in light of what he has done, what does this tell me about my identity? Who has he made me to be? And y'all hear me talk about our identity and our character all the time. It flows out of who God is and who God has made us to be. And then question number four is, what do I do? What do I do? So here's the question that most of us ask when we come to the Bible, and it's a great question. How does this apply to me? What am I supposed to do with this? Great question, out of order if we ask that first. So we wanna say, who is God? What has he done in light of that? Who am I? And then how am I supposed to live? What am I supposed to do in light of who he is and what he has done? Okay, so in, in the church, um, a lot of people don't like church because church is, here's another church word, church can be very legalistic, which means it's all about laws, rules, do's and don'ts. You know what I'm talking about? Don't do this, do this, and you're good. It's very religious in nature. And that's why people, a lot of people don't like church or Christianity. And this is why we want to ask these four questions, because it becomes less of a have to, I need to, because this is what God has told me to do. It flows out of this is who God is. And this is all that God has done for me, for us. And in light of that, what he's made us to be, now we, we live in obedience, not because we have to, but because we can see how good God is and all that he has done for us and all that he has made us to be. And now we'll, we'll live out of obedience. And so those are the four questions. Who is God? What has he done? Who am I? What do I do? So in light of that, here's what I want to do. I'm going to practice this. We're going to practice this together, all right? Psalm 93 is where we're going to go. In my Bible, the, the heading for that, that psalm, it says, the Lord reigns. It says, the, the Lord reigns, uh, which is, I think, um, I think a, it flows out of what we talked about last week. One of the last things I said in our series on faith and politics, because it is election week, right? One of the things I said was that regardless of who sits in the White House, the Lord, God, will remain seated on his throne. And this is flowing out of that. This is a reminder. The Lord reigns. This is a truth that we need to know in election season. This is a truth that we need to be reminded of in 2020. Amen. <laughs> that the Lord is in control. This is an eternal truth that we need to know always. And so we're going to look at Psalm 93. The reason we're looking at Psalm 93, I joked in the first service, was because I graduated in the, from high school in the year 1993. All right, believe it or not, that's not really why we're doing it. Uh, I did graduate in 93, um, but it's five verses long. It's short, and what we're going to do is we're going to ask the questions. We're going to read through the psalm, and then I want to ask you to engage with the scriptures, 
and help me answer the four questions, all right? And the purpose for this, again, is so that we turn our attention not towards ourselves, not what are we supposed to do, but we wanna turn our hearts and our eyes and our focus on God, on who he is. Because what we're gonna do today is we're gonna worship the Lord through the Lord's Supper. And so as a way to, to work our way into that, Psalm 93, I'm gonna read it, five verses, and then let's work through the questions. So starting in verse number one, Psalm 93. The Lord reigns, he is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed, he has put on strength as his belt. Yes, the world is established, it shall never be moved. Your throne is established from of old, you are from everlasting. The floods have lifted up, O Lord, the floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their roaring. Verse four, mightier than the thunders of many waters, mightier than the waves of the sea, the Lord on high is mighty. Your decrees are very trustworthy and holiness befits your house, O Lord, forevermore. Amen, there we go, <laughs> forevermore. So five verses, Here, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna walk through these and I'll ask question number one. And I want you to participate, all right? I'm gonna encourage you to, when, if you see an answer to this, and here's the thing, there's different ones of us may see different things. And that's, that's the cool thing about this process. But feel free to shout it out, okay? To declare it, all right, with all of your heart. Um, and we're gonna do this together. So question one, who is God? So let's look back at, at verses one and two, okay? What do you see about the nature and the character of God? Bueller, Bueller. I'm just kidding. The first one is always the hardest, okay? It's all right. He's clothed in majesty. He's clothed in majesty, all right? So I would say he's, he's majestic, all right? That's, that's one, one thing that you could see there. What else do you see? I heard it. Strength. Strength. He's strong, right? You see in verse number one, he's, he's robed in majesty. The Lord is robed. He has put on strength as his belt. Oh, what about that very first? Uh, there it is. There's the answer. Ruler. <laughs> That's what I came up with. The Lord reigns. Okay, so he is, he is a ruler. He rules and reigns. He's majestic. He's strong. Um, look back at verses one and two again. Um, verse number two. Your throne is established from of old. So if you have a throne, that means you are a what? A king, right? You're a king. So he's strong. He's a king. Uh, verse number two again. It says, uh, your throne is established from of old. You are from everlasting. What does that tell us about the nature of God? He's, he's eternal. He's everlasting. He's old, right? Older than all of us. He's eternal. Um, let's go back again. Verse number Four and five, all right? It says, mightier than the thunders of many waters, mightier than the waves of the sea. The Lord on high is what? I heard it. He's mighty. He's mighty, right? He's mighty. Um, verse number five, your decrees are very trustworthy. Holiness befits your house, O Lord, forevermore. So what are a couple things you see there about his nature and character? What's that? Steadfast, okay. What else? Your decrees are very what? Trustworthy. Okay, so he's trustworthy. 
What else do you see? There it is. He's holy, right? It says in verse five, holiness befits your house. So we see all these things that he's, he's ruler, he's majestic, he's strong, he is king, he's eternal, he's mighty, he's trustworthy, he's holy. So you see where we're going? It's easy to just read through five verses and go, okay, on to the next. But if you ask the question, who is God? What does this tell me? This should be our primary focus when we go to the scriptures. It's not God, tell me what to do, but God, tell me what you are like. Tell me what you're like because, y'all, that shapes everything. Everything else flows out of that. When we see God as ruler, as holy, as trustworthy, as king, as strong, as eternal, as mighty, when we begin to see him in that light, we worship him. And it changes who we are and it changes how we behave. So rather than, hey, how are we supposed to act? How are we supposed to behave? First, we want to get a glimpse of, we want to behold the beauty of the Lord. Second Corinthians 3 talks about, because in doing that, he transforms us. And so who is God? We see that. Question number two, what has he done? So we're, we're going to rewind, go back to verse number one and two. And we want to ask this question again. What, what do we see in this passage that he's done? What are some things that you see? The Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed. He has put on strength as his belt. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. Your throne is established from of old. You are from everlasting. So what has he done? What are some things that he's done? What's that? Holy Spirit. Yeah. So what about, look at verse number one. The Lord what? Reigns. Okay, so he's reigned. He has reigned through, through Jesus, through his Holy Spirit, right? He reigns. Oh, what else has he done? Uh, look back here, verse number, verse number one. He has done what? What's he done? He's put on strength as his belt. I love, I love this terminology and this imagery. You, if you think about Ephesians 6 in the New Testament, it talks about putting on the armor of God. One of the pieces of armor is the belt. When you think about armor and a belt, a belt holds everything together. It brings everything together and holds it together. So the thing that holds God together, as it were, the thing that, that brings all of his character and all of his nature together, it's, it's strength. He's put on strength as his belt. Look back at verse number one. The Lord reigns. He's robed in majesty. He's robed. He has put on strength as his belt. Look at these next two lines. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. Your throne is established from of old. So what could you say he's done here? He's, yeah, he's established, he's established the world. He's established his throne or his kingdom. All right, he's done these things. He's established the world. He's established his throne. Look, look down at verse number five. And this is, some of these things you have to kind of infer as you're reading. So verse five says, your decrees are very trustworthy. Holiness befits your house. So what could we infer when it says your decrees are trustworthy? That means that he has given us his decrees, right? He's given us his truth. He's given us his word. So he's done all of these things. He's reigned. He's put on strength. He's established the world. He's established his throne. He's given his decrees. So are you all tracking with me as we're working through this? We're trying to ask the questions. We're not trying to just read through and breeze through the scriptures. We're trying to figure out more about who God is and what he's done. 
And in light of all this, it helps put us in our place. So the next question is, question three, who am I? Who am I? What do we see about who we are? Now, again, we could come up with different things. We could all come up with some different things here. Let me, let me give you some of the things that I see. If you look back at verse number one, it says that the Lord reigns. Verse number two, your throne is established. And so if, if, if he is the ruler, if he is the king, if he's on a throne, what, who am I? What does that make me? A follower. It makes me one who is in subjection to that king, one who follows his rule and his, his reign. Verse 1 says the world is established and his throne is established. And so one of the things that I would see in this is that I am, I am a part of that world that he has set up. I'm a part of the world that he has established. I didn't establish it. I didn't bring this world about. He did, and he placed me in it. And, and your, your throne is established. And we're part, if you have put your faith in Jesus, here's who you are. You're a citizen or a resident of his kingdom. You're under his lordship. And so, so all these things that we see in light of who he is and what he's done, this is who we are. Are y'all tracking with me? Are you seeing this? Are you seeing where we're going? Who is God? What has he done? In light of that, here's who I am. This is my identity. I am a citizen. I am a resident of his kingdom. I am under his rule. I'm under his authority. I'm in subjection to him. I'm part of this world that he's established. Now, here's that, that last question. What do I do? What do I do? How do I how do I operate as a citizen, as a resident, as one under his authority? So let's, let's go back to verse number one. And some of these things can kind of sound or feel repetitive. All right, and that's okay. We need that. Verse number one, the Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. He's robed. He's put on strength. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. Your throne is established from of old. You are from everlasting. And so again, if this is true, that he reigns, that he is a king, what do we do in response to who he is and what he's done? We worship, right? We, I don't know if you said that. Did you say that? Maybe you did. Good answer, if so. <laughs> we worship. We worship. We, we submit to him. We surrender to his reign. Okay, when we say that the Lord reigns, then we have to, we have to ask the question. Okay, so am I living in submission and surrender to his authority? If this is who he is, but for us just to say to any, any regular Joe, hey, you need to submit to the Lord. You need to obey the Lord. They go, why should I do that? But if we look at the scriptures, we see who God is, that he is the Lord, that he, he has established his throne from everlasting, that he is eternal, that he is mighty. When we see him in that light, we go, okay, here's my place. I'm to live in subjection to his authority. I'm to live under his rule in his reign. And it doesn't become a have to, it becomes a get to. This is who he is and who he's made me to be. So we submit to his reign. We, we worship him. It's, it tells us in, in verses two, three, four, that the floods and, and, and the, the waters, the waves of the sea, man, they, they rise up in worship of him. And so that's what we do too. We submit to his reign. We worship him. Verse five, let me look at this last verse again. 
Your decrees are very trustworthy. So if, if he, in his, his character and his nature, if he is trustworthy, what do we do in light of that? We follow and we trust him. We trust him. If he is trustworthy, like he says he is, how are we to live? We're to trust him. Are y'all tracking with me? This is... This is what happens when we put God and we put Christ, we put the gospel at the center. It's not about us. It's not about what we have to do. It's first and foremost, who is he? What has he done? Who has he made us to be in light of that? Now we live in faith and obedience. And it's easy because we have a heart posture of worship because we see who he is. And so I just wanted to take a few minutes to to help us practice. And I wanna do this from time to time because I think hopefully it's helpful because a lot of times what happens is we come in and we listen to someone talk about God or we read the Bible and we check it off of our Bible reading plan and we're done. But what God calls us to do is to, is to, to dig in, to dive into his word, to see who he is and let everything flow out of that, who we are and what we're to do. And so I wanted to set the stage for our celebration of the Lord's Supper by hopefully stirring up within us a heart of worship. Because I'm, I'm telling you, I promise that what God's word says is way better and way more important than what I have to say. And so hopefully we've been able to see that this morning in Psalm 93. But here's what I'm gonna do. I wanna explain the Lord's Supper. I'm gonna give us a few minutes to examine our own hearts and then we're going to take of the elements, okay? So right now it is 1130, all right? It's still early, y'all. Nobody gets upset with a preacher who ends early. But we're just going to extend this into celebrating the Lord's Supper together. Um, and so let me explain what the Lord's Supper is. It's, it is for followers of Jesus. Those that have put their faith and their trust in Christ alone for the forgiveness of their sins. So it means you've... You've submitted to his, his ownership of you. You've declared him as Lord. If, if you have not done that, if you've never given your life and your heart to Jesus, then don't participate in this, all right? You don't have to do this. And I wanna give you permission to, to just observe, all right? But this is for followers of Jesus. If, if, you know, for kids even that maybe haven't made that profession yet, it's okay not to participate, all right? So it's for followers of Jesus. And the purpose of the Lord's Supper, as we do this, it's to remember what the Lord has done for us. It's to celebrate who he is and what he has done. And the way that we're to approach this time is with thankfulness and with mindfulness. So we wanna be thankful for who he is and for what he has done, but we also wanna be mindful. And we're gonna see this in a second. I'm gonna read through 1 Corinthians 11. We want to be mindful of, of our own hearts and what God is doing. Uh, the scriptures tell us in 1 Corinthians 11 that we're to examine ourselves before we participate in the Lord's Supper. So in other words, we're not to do it unworthily. We're not to do this if we have unconfessed sin in our hearts. And so it tells us to examine, to open our hearts to the Lord and really to ask the question, God, is there anything in me any sin that I need to confess to you? Is there anything that I'm holding on to, any pride or bitterness or anger or anything that I'm holding on to that I need to lay at your feet? 
that I need to submit to you and to, to cast it under the blood of Christ. Is there anything, God, that I need to give over to you this morning so that I can worship you with a clear conscience and a clean heart? And so that is what we do. We examine our hearts. And so let me, let me read 1 Corinthians 11, verses 23 through 28. This is the Apostle Paul recounting the Last Supper. It was the last meal that Jesus had with his disciples. And this is what is, it has created the blueprint for what we call the Lord's Supper that we're going to celebrate this morning. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, verse, starting verse 23, for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So we're to participate by taking the bread, which represents his broken body, and we're to do it in remembrance of Christ. Verse 25, in the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so the cup that we're going to partake of represents the shed blood of Jesus. It represents the blood that cleanses us from our sin, that he allowed to be spilled for our forgiveness. Verse 26, he says, for often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And maybe you wouldn't see yourself as a preacher of the gospel, but what Paul tells us is that every time you participate in the Lord's Supper, you are preaching or proclaiming the gospel, the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. And so he says, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whosoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner, will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. And so he says, make sure you examine yourself, that you open your heart to the Lord and you, you remove any sin, any unconfessed sin that you're holding on to so that we can worship him. And so here's what I want us to do. Why don't you all stand with me? We're going to begin to um, have some music playing in just a moment. I'm going to invite you to take a moment to, to bow your heads and to pray, to examine your hearts and to ask the Lord, is there anything in me that I need to release to you, Lord? And then confess it, give it to him, let go of it, and to examine your hearts. And when you're ready, we're going to have you do something. We're going to have you come and, and, and grab the elements at one of the crosses, all right? So you're gonna make your way. And again, this whole, this whole Lord's Supper that we're doing is, is symbolism. And so we're gonna have you go to the cross, grab the elements and partake as you feel comfortable and as you're ready. Maybe you wanna take a couple minutes to pray. Maybe you wanna pray at the altar. Maybe you just wanna head back to your seat and try to fiddle with this little thing and get it open. I know it's a little challenge, all right? We can still worship God in the midst of all that. Um, the band is gonna be playing and we're gonna sing a song. Thank you, Jesus. Feel free to join in as soon as you're ready, as soon as you're able. But I'm gonna invite you to bow your heads. I wanna pray over us. And then I want to give you a moment to examine yourself before you grab the elements. Lord, thank you for this day again. Thank you for your grace that you have so freely offered us. 
and we get to receive it freely and yet it came at a great price to you, to your son who came to this earth, who took on the form of a servant, the form of a, a human, lived a perfect life that we were created to live, that we were meant to live, but we couldn't because of our sin. You lived the perfect life, Jesus, and you laid down your life as a perfect sacrifice. You allowed your body to be broken. And you allowed your blood to be shed, to be spilled out completely so that we could receive forgiveness for our sin so that we could know you, so that we could be changed eternally by you and for you, that we could worship around your throne for all of eternity, not because of anything that we have done, not because of our goodness, not because of our work, but because all that you have done because of the goodness of Jesus, because of the righteousness of Christ, because of the work of Jesus, on the cross for every single one of us. And so, Lord, we, today, we wanna to come before you, we wanna open our hearts, we wanna give you permission to examine our hearts. God, if there's anything in, in us that we need to release, to let go of, to confess to you, to repent of, God, would you bring it to our minds? allow us to bring it to your feet. Lord, we want to worship you today because you are worthy. You are the one who reigns over all. And so, Lord, we, we give this time to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And I want to invite you to, as you're, as you're ready, examine your hearts when you're ready to come forward. Go ahead and come forward, grab the elements. You can worship the Lord through taking of the Lord's Supper at the altar or at your seat. And when you're comfortable, join us in singing.